0: Welcome to The Francisca Show podcast on JewishCoffeeHouse.com, the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Welcome back to The Francisca Show. I am delighted to be back with a new episode. I don't know if you're going to enjoy it. It was interesting to make, but you never know. I never know how I feel about episodes. And then sometimes I release them and they are a smashing success. And sometimes I think I have such a great episode out there for you and I hear absolutely nothing. And that's probably just because you're busy and you haven't had a chance to either listen or reach out or whatever else it is. So I'll just keep going and marching along. I really wanted to do an episode like this. I know it's a week after Pesach and nobody cares about Pesach anymore. So that's that. You let me know. I do have a few things I do want to mention before we get started. So number one, last week I did not mention, but I do want to make a moment out of the tragic loss and terrorist attack with the D family on Erev Pesach. It took us all by shock, and I should have mentioned something on last week's episode, but I haven't. The episode on Orthodox Conundrum with Rabbi Scott Kahn and Rabbi Wilds. Who we also had on this podcast really sparked something within me, and I am in a position where I should be addressing and talking about things, even if I was offline for a little bit and just away from my regular post. I do want to take a moment and just remember the members of the D family who were murdered brutally just for being Jews, just for living in Israel on an erev Pesach. So. It's been really nice to see all the beautiful and inspirational projects that started and were inspired by this horrific tragedy. And one of them is a weekly, maybe just for the Sphere Omer time, but it's a Pirkei Avos in memory of the D family by Hanala on the weekly squeeze. So check that out. Another thing you should know, I actually had episodes scheduled for this week before I went off for Pesach, which was the first time I took off from this podcast in a while. I know I said I took off when I had my baby, but I was really working the whole time. <laughs> I did prepare a lot in advance, but there's always stuff that comes up and then has to be dealt with to keep the show going and Pesach, I actually took a break, so it was really nice. The episodes I pre-recorded to release after Pesach somehow all got canceled. My guests requested not to release the episode. The person I was scheduled to do an interview with also had to reschedule. So I was scrambling for episodes last week. I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe I'm done. (laughs) Maybe we've exhausted all the topics. People are just done talking. I was posting away. I probably scheduled 10 to 15 interviews in the last week. So we are good to go for the next couple of months. I know people aren't into sharing, you know, not failures, but their moments of being stuck. And people just view others who put on a production, someone like me. My show is a production. I edit a lot of stuff out. But I will share, I have been in a little rut last couple of months. And I've been thinking of what's next for me? What's What does the world want from me? What should I be focusing my efforts on next? What helps me get up in the morning work-wise, work-related? So I am sharing this with you because it's important to be vulnerable and show those lower sides. It's not all amazing. It's not always clear what you should be doing. And maybe the right idea or opportunity is lying right there in front of me. And I'm putting it out there in case you're there to show me. So I am putting it out there that I am interested in hearing new ideas, new suggestions. So I'm done rambling. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you again to everyone who submitted such nice feedback. Oh, we actually have some more feedback for you guys. Hold on. So last week's episode actually brought in some Really great feedback. And today I'm remembering to mention it on the podcast. So here's something I want to read to you. I loved a very informative episode focusing on healthier language and approach for our girls and their body image. I was concerned, though, with the parting message about being okay with quote unquote fat bodies. While I don't discriminate and wouldn't be opposed to a heavier girl dating my son, I would be concerned about health issues, which oftentimes are related to obesity. I would love to be able to impart a message to my daughter, which supports her body image at whatever weight, but also warns against the health issues, which can creep up with obesity. How do we teach both sides without hurting body image and not endorsing obesity? Hope this makes sense. So I like this message and I wanted to include it in here. So... I love your messages. Keep sending them. It helps create ideas and topics for future episodes and create space for these conversations. So I appreciate it very much. I also enjoy it and it's helpful. So without any further ado, let's get started. This is The Francisca Show on the Jewish Coffeehouse Network. Welcome back to The Francisca Show, France Dance. Today with us, we have the co-founder of the Passover Program Reviews Facebook group and PassoverListings.com. Welcome, Donnie Schwartz.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Francisca.
0: So I know we're hitting almost a week and a half post-Pesach, but you convinced me that people are still up and arms about Pesach programs and the, the reviews are coming in and there's lots to talk about so you got me and i i've been wanting to do something like this for over a year so i'm excited to be doing this
1: yeah yeah you know pesas is you know it's one of the biggest holidays out there and it's one of the longest holidays out there right over you know nine to ten days you know with a khalomoi break in, in in the middle and people finally you know, are starting to get back from their destinations whether it be in europe or in mexico or the united states or in other countries, and now talking about how their experience was on these beautiful Pesach programs.
0: Cool. So, before we get into the stuff I want to talk about, could you tell us just a little bit about how this industry evolved? How old is it? And what percentage of Jews who observe Passover and Pesach utilize these programs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this industry is really old. You know, it, it started out, you know. When roughly, we
0: left Egypt. No, I'm kidding.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I mean, definitely. I mean, it it's, uh, started around 40 to 50 years ago with, you know, very, very small amount of programs, really basis, you know, on, on the East Coast, right? All the, you know, upstate New York programs and the Jersey programs, very, very small, you know, one, two, three, five programs. And then it kind of grew every year to people opening up, new programs and really cool, innovative, warm destinations like in Florida and in California and Mexico. And it's really evolved over the years. The majority of the people that go away, you know, roughly I'd say, you know, it's around 150,000, maybe more at this point, you know, uh, Jews that go away and travel, you know, to these to these Pesach programs each year. And the majority of the Jews that, that travel, more or less the modern Orthodox crowd, of course, have, have, You know, different sects of of religiosities. You know, there's probably some that are more religious and less religious that, that want to experience an all inclusive, you know, vacation where everything's paid for. You don't have to worry about cooking and cleaning, anything of that nature. So,
0: okay. So that's interesting. You said mostly modern Orthodox. Is that a socioeconomical reason? It's
1: a good question in terms of whether it's associated economical or it's more of like a religious. I don't think it's associated economical because I don't know, frankly, if you know the what what modern orthodox people can afford versus reform versus you know uh, more the shiush crowd. I'm sure you know everyone has their own their business, but I would say that most of these programs itself are geared towards the modern orthodox crowd, meaning that you're not going to see people on their phones on Yom Tov. you're not going to see.
0: You mean. Because when you say modern orthodox, I'm I think you're saying why you or you know people who say Shabbat instead of Shabbos versus oh, you're just I, saying people who observe Pesach.
1: And, yeah, sorry. Right. Well, when I say modern orthodox, yeah, just because you know it's so funny these days. Like when you say the word modern orthodox or conservadox like there's so many different definitions of that. To your point, when I'm talking about more of like people who, right, the majority of the people who go away are people kind of maybe who you know who observe kosher and uh um strict kosher and uh shabbat and yom tov right Uh, where they're not driving on on shabbat yom tov but again you know it's for everybody it's not only for you know the what i'm calling as the modern Orthodox crowd i mean you know there are a lot of people who go away that you know on these programs that are not as religious or more religious so and there's programs geared to all different sects of religiosity too right there's or four, three to five programs out there that are much much more geared to much more of yeshivish, you know, Black Hatter type of crowd. And and there's more programs that are much, much more modern where, you know, you can go into the dining room with uh, a bathing suit, right, on, on, on Yom Tov, and that's okay. And no one's going to, you know, turn their head and, and give you a look. So it really depends on the type of program versus, like, the socioeconomical, I'd say, you know, thoughts of, like, you know, are this sect more... Well off versus others, because I think that across the board.
0: So something we talked about on our pre-call was that there's this. I was telling you, I I don't know if that was how I was raised, but I remember thinking as a kid, you know. And I don't know if you ever saw Ben Schwartz, maybe his name is. He did these videos on YouTube about Pesach Deca hotels, and they even have Pesach Deca bread, and it's not Pesach Dick to do that, and. Uh, so let's say I'm 12, 13, 14, seeing these videos, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's that's the wrong thing to do. You have to slave away so you feel like you left Mitzrayim on the first night of Pesach, and that's the way to do Pesach, and you have to literally sweat and clean and get on your knees. And the Pesach programs is that luxurious way out. Anyone who can't afford it perhaps may like to hate on it, and talk to me about that dynamic a little bit.
1: I Look, I think... What's really nice about where the Pesach program community and industry came from like, you know, again, 40, 50 years ago, is that now there's really a Pesach program for everyone, whether you're more religious or less religious, or whether you can afford a really luxurious experience like that you're referring to, or you or you can afford a more basic experience, but you can still go away. You know, there's there's Pesach programs in this day and age, thankfully, that are much more budget-friendly, right? That don't cost... The tens of thousands of dollars per couple out there as well. So the nice thing about this industry that's it evolved, where there's over a hundred payout programs that, depending on your budget, there's there's cheaper. I offer you know maybe a little less or maybe a little bit more depending on everyone's requirements and what they're looking for about these programs. So that's the really nice thing about it. And if you can't, you can always get a house or a villa or and do it yourself. You know you don't have to stay home. So there's. Now these houses and villas and rental that you can do in Florida, for example, in Orlando or Miami or other places where you know it's a lot less expensive, you can rent a camper, you can bring your own food and do your own thing and clean it yourself. But at least you're out of your own home for Pesach. So I always ask myself, like, if you're going to do it yourself versus go somewhere else, you're probably going somewhere else maybe for the accommodations or the, what that other house or property has to offer.
0: Let's talk about... Uh, this industry in terms of Jews being difficult clients and customers and Pesach being the hardest service or product to offer and how that comes together.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, we're all, you know, wh- what do they say? You know, one, two, uh, two opinions, right. I mean, out there, I mean, look, I think everyone, everyone spends a lot of money on these things, right? So they, they really want to know that they're getting the best, product and the breast service, wherever they go, and, and they get promised what the owner and the operator say they're going to do, right? That That's kind of really what this comes down to. I think people go into set their expectations, frankly, as what's been told by the program operator and owner. And the only times where they come back and, and they have some opinions, whether it be negative or positive or neutral, is, is where things have changed or not what they're expecting. So, If they go to a program and there's no matzah, God forbid, right? Or there's, you know, not enough of some type of food, or if there is uh, something happening on the program or something changing, right? They like to know that these things are really much taken care of for the end consumer, for the traveler. They don't want to have to think about these things. And frankly, the reason is is because they're spending so much money, and rightfully so. So it's a tough industry for all these Pesach program operators who spend literally, like they just finished Pesach, they're starting for the next Pesach already, next next year already. Like I've spoken with so many of these operators, they're moving forward and they're figuring out their their plans for next paysoff already. And we just ended. So there, this is a whole year around planning. This is not, hey, it ends, let's spend another six to eight months and just relax until the next one comes about. It's not like that. So there's a lot that goes into it, a lot that goes into, it, that goes into with the food and the hotel and, and they got to make sure it's as perfect as possible. And I'll tell you what, it's never perfect.
0: Okay, let's talk about some of those imperfections. I remember seeing this viral video of this woman. I hope she's not listening to this. I don't know who she was. She was throwing all the food. Oh, I think true. she found out it was kidney oat or something. I, I don't know what it was.
1: That was a couple of years ago. I remember that video too that went viral. Yeah, that was all over our, our social media groups. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's a very, I, I, that's an outlier. The reason why that went viral is because you don't see that on up programs. Most, thankfully, I could say really most Jewish people who go on these programs or, you know, are, they're respectful and they're not, you know, doing anything crazy. They don't like something. You know what they do? They go to the owner, the operator and the operator the owner take care of it for them. They're not throwing plates and, or doing whatever, you know, they were doing to, uh, make a scene as an example. So look, some people get angry and, and get frustrated, but at the end of the day, my, I always tell people, if you go on these programs and, and you see something, you don't like something, you go to the operator. Operator takes care of it. They walk the halls. They're in all the major, they should be, I say, should be, in all the major rooms that people are in. So that way, if there's any issues or concerns, you go to them and you say, hey, I need your help with something.
0: Okay. So what are some of the issues or blowups or imperfections going back three years? We had COVID, right? That massive consolation. And then recently we had the Atlantic City program this past yeah. year. Any other crazy situations?
1: There's always situations where some programs out there, they run out of food. The food is a major thing for people. We're Jews. We love our food. We love our good quality food. And uh, you know if you run out of something good or if you run out of something needed, import it. And that's a big deal. I think this year, I mean, there was a program, I don't know, I read reviews, I don't know, I still have to validate. There's a program, I think in, in Cyprus or in Greece, you yeah, know, that ran out of Massa um, and they really had, you get there and there's like very, very minimal food. So people were like posting pictures of, of, this is what we're getting for this, this amount of money that we're paying for. So the food is important. I think the rooms are another piece that people look at, the hotel properties, right? So if you go into a room and you see, I don't know, bed bugs or you see stains on the floor, or it's a smaller room than you would have liked. Obviously you're going to be a little bit more up in arms on that because you're literally spending nine days in that room, 10 days in that room with your family. Other things are around the actual programming. What the program offers, right? Is there a kid's camp? How are the counselors? How are the entertainers? Are they good? How are the scholars and residents? Did they actually attend the program? Were they there as advertised from the program? So you look at all these things and. You try to make the best of it. And I'll be honest with you, 90% of the programs out there do it right. They get it right. And people are happy to go away. and They go away the following year. Either that program or they try a new program out. But you always have hiccups, whether it's a first-year program or sometimes a fifth or tenth-year program that you're trying to improve upon year after year. And you can't control everything. I know there's one program in Mexico where they they had to change the chef mid program because the the food was quality wasn't as great. And, you know, another program they had to, the entertainer, uh, you know, wasn't there and didn't show up. So they figure out entertainers last minute. So it's one of those things where you got to be quick and you got to be fast and you got to be smart how to accommodate people in a way that really makes them understand that, like, look, we're not perfect, but we're going to get it right and we're going to, we're going to make you happy.
0: And what are the price ranges of programs?
1: The European programs are always cheaper than the American and Mexico programs. And That's why just-
0: is that? My, uh, my opinion is because they serve less food, maybe? They do. Than Americans.
1: They, they, they do. They definitely serve less food. Actually, some in Europe actually getting much more extravagant and trying to be more on the, like a little bit more of the American style of programs. But you're right. Less food, less extravagant. Look, most of the people go to Europe, they don't go for the food. They go for the excursions and the and the culture and the uh, traveling. They don't there's that that's their expectations. They don't uh, go for that reason. But the pricing in Europe per couple, you're getting it around like 4000 euro per couple. You can get up to like 4000 to 8000 euro per couple in Europe. In America and Mexico, you're looking more at the um, at the low end, probably around like the 6,000 per couple to 18,000, 20,000 per couple. So there's a huge, huge range of programs that start at more of the 6k to, to 20k.
0: And similarly to other Jewish institutions and programs, the reason things cost so much is because you need so much staff and you need to pay for all that staff, right?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's staff, Remember, you gotta put down tons of money up front months in advance before you even know if you're gonna sell out to the hotel. You gotta book the hotel out. No hotel is gonna allow you to take a program in case, like just in case, you know, we wanna do something, or if we if it works out, you know, we'll do it. Now you have to commit to the hotel months, months in advance. You're putting down massive, massive deposits on these rooms, you're putting massive deposits down on these conference rooms, you're taking a huge risk, right? And you're hoping people will, will attend your program. Your food you can't book hundreds of pallets of matzah weeks before. You can't book your veal, spare ribs, all this other amazing barbecue ribs, like duck weeks before. This is happening a lot months before Pesach even starts. And those are really the two largest costs to program operators out there and outside entertainment and even staffing, frankly. I mean, staffing is expensive, but staffing was based on the number of people you have in the program, frankly.
0: What information do you have on yeshivish programs besides for they have to be dressed in a new outfit for every social location?
1: It's funny. Well, there's like a handful of of yeshivish programs out there that are geared more to the right wing yeshivish community. They really gear the whole program towards the types of people that they bring in, right? So, for example, like they'll they'll make sure there's no separate swimming in the hotel. They'll make sure there's mixed swimming. Right. Well, hold
0: on, the opposite. <laughs>
1: They'll make sure there's no mixed swimming in the hotel. They'll make sure there's separate swimming in the hotel. They'll make sure that every even the cost route is like super, super strict, blessed by the strictest rabbis out there to ensure there's no questions whatsoever about any cost route whatsoever. And they'll make sure the speakers and entertainers are much more geared and focused to the yeshivish crowd. They're not gonna have the modern entertainers, singers, and comedians that maybe will, you know, be a little bit more chill or inappropriate, I'll say it, right? You know, then than the actual people who would kind of be geared to more of like a, a family oriented type of environment per se, maybe, or more, yeshi, you know, religious. KMR is a program out there that's, that's geared more to the yeshivish crowd. You got gateways out there that's more yeshivish. Pesach luxury again, more religious yeshivish crowd. So you do have tons of programs out there. You know, Tor Plus is another one geared more towards the religious crowd too. So yeah, you know, what's nice about this industry, it's, it covers the spectrum. Regardless of who you are and what that person you are, what you do practice-wise in terms of Judaism, and hopefully what budget you have, there's something for everyone. That's what it's turned into over the years.
0: Do the more Yeshivish programs ever say no to guests because they might not be from enough?
1: No, they don't. What they do is they're very open and honest about who they are and what type of crowd they have. So, and, and by the way, that doesn't go for, that doesn't go only for the Yeshivish programs. Go for every program here's the type of crowd we have. Here's what we offer. I want you to know that we only offer separate swimming. Is that something you, you'll be interested in? And that's how they advertise it too, out there as well. If someone wants to go to their program that's mixed swimming, they may not go to their program, that's, but they'll be open and honest about it. They're not going to just, because the the worst case scenario, Francisco, is like someone comes, has a terrible time, and then posts how terrible it was and say, hey, this wasn't disclosed to me. And then they lose that person for the following or I lose other people, right? You have to be completely transparent. It's got a wire group and, and site exist to be to really showcase these programs exactly how they are, as opposed to frankly sugarcoating what people want to see.
0: This is where segregation and being different and exclusive comes into play. Yeah. Do most people go as couples or are these programs filled with like bigger, massive families that bring you know, their children's, their children's children, etc.
1: You know, it's a complete mix. You know, I went in a program, Lasco Getaways, which really was phenomenal this past year. It's out of Aventura, Florida. And they had big families, like I'm talking about like 50 people, and they had a couple. And they even had singles on the program. And a lot of programs have singles. Some programs, by the way, are geared towards singles. But I'd say the majority of the programs out there are a mix. I mean, you're going to have big, big families that go away. You're going to have families that are a family of five. Family of 10, family of two that go away are couples. So it's really, really, uh, it spans the gamut. It's not it's not one or the other. But there are programs that are and, and do advertise themselves as, hey, if you're single, we're going to have like a shopson, a matchmaker here to kind of like help out the single. So this is a gear towards singles. Now, is their whole program single? Absolutely not. But they may have like a group of 50 singles or 20 singles or 30 singles, which would be cool for people who really want to find somebody, these pay out programs are a really nice opportunity for them to find, maybe find somebody that maybe they wouldn't found otherwise because these programs enable that thinking.
0: Yeah, it's an eight, nine day speed date event.
1: Right, <laughs> and it's funny.
0: Talk to me about the funny stories out there. What are some of the reviews that are worth mentioning from this past year or of all times?
1: I'll tell you from my experiences. Right? I went to Alaska getaway in Florida and I'll tell you like, my best time experience was seeing this, right? Imagine this, picture this, right? close your eyes, open your eyes, you're in a ballroom, okay? It's the Seder, first night of the Seder. And in this ballroom, there's probably like, you know, 1,300 people, 1,000 people. And again, you know, some of these programs have like private Seder, so you can kind of be exclusive if you want. Other other than that, you're kind of in a a public forum and you're doing your own thing. So imagine every table is having their own Seder. Most people never experience this because you're at home with your family and you're having one Seder. But when you're, you know, when you're looking around during a little bit of a break and you're seeing different people's customs, so you're seeing like a table of 10 put on costumes and like running around with leaves hitting each other and doing some really cute things with their kids and grandkids. And then you're seeing another table, like literally they're all on chairs, screaming and chanting and yelling. And then you see another table like really into it, just kind of getting into it, the Ruach and the spirit of, of Pesach. And then you see another table just kind of like, you know, actually like skipping to uh shulchan aruch and and the, and the dinner that's all good i mean that's what in my mind like Pesos is is about and like kind of getting that like seeing different people's customs and having those types of like a wide variety of experiences it was really cool i mean it's one of the takeaways i took away just this year just to see like all that uh spirituality all, that, all those differences from various religions various people various cultures it was really really amazing to see
0: I feel like we're missing some good stories or something. <laughs> I just need a couple more.
1: Stories, stories, which we can bring on people, you know, that kind of like we, sh- we should have people that kind of went to different types of programs talking about stories. There's always stories that, that happen of people meeting each other at different, you know, you hear all these, oh, I met through a Pesach program, i married, you know, through one.
0: What about the Pesach operators, the program operators? Do they make a lot of money on these programs?
1: You know, the truth is, I don't know what they, what everyone makes because there's different costs to everyone for every single program, but I'm sure they do well. Otherwise they wouldn't go through all of, there's a lot of work here to be done all year round. It, it's an expensive, you know, program, right? Expensive, you know, for the customer, but it's also expensive for them to put on the program. So, you know, I don't know if they're, they're coming out with X or Y, but I assume they, you know, they do well because it's a lot of effort and a lot of time to taste and anything like that. Hopefully they come out with a nice amount to kind of put towards the next year and make and improve it and upon and improve upon it. Most people go away. They want to see these things continue to improve. And so th- the guideline out there is, again, if you're paying a little more, or a lot more, there's more amenities. There's, there may be some more programming, maybe some more different things that you wouldn't have maybe on something that's a little bit more, a little bit less, uh, less expensive. Maybe the hotel's nicer, maybe the food's nice. And sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you go to a program you're like, Oh my god, why did I spend this amount on a program? I should have spent less but the same amount because I would have had a better time here. But you never know until you go, and that's why reviews are important. You gotta find out from real people how the food is and how the programming is and entertainers and, and all this all this all the details.
0: Okay. Well, let's talk about food for a little bit. Were there any kashras or pesach issues? that come up? I know a lot of people do not eat outside their home on Pesach. So trusting someone else or someone else with so much money on the line with their restrictions, with their religiosity levels.
1: Yeah. hundred percent of these programs have mashkias on these, on these programs, checking the food, checking the kashrut at every meal. I mean, the program I went to, I, I had 13 Mashiachs wild and they had different hours and they had, you know, they were like, they were working very, very hard to make sure that everything was 100%, no issues with the route and, and legitimate, right? Most programs have more than one, you know, mishkiyap making sure they're, they're following the guidelines and the staffs are following the guidelines. So when you go on these programs, I mean, that's what you're trusting, right? Now, whether or not that's the case, that, that's still to be determined. Well,
0: have there been issues? That's my
1: question. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, every year there's issues of like, you know someone who sees something that's not kosher for passover or so, you know and again when i say issues like there is few but you're not going to find no one you're not going to find many of these but you know sometimes you'll find something that's not kosher for passover or sometimes you'll find something that has like milk you know milk and meat you know in the same room which is fine but you know you have to be careful with that type of stuff do people really want milk and meat in the same room you know and you know that and by the way i mean these are the questions you have to ask before you go on a program right because that's what's going to determine whether or not you go or or stay home or go somewhere else, right? So that's that's the digging and the research that you have to do in terms of feeling comfortable. But um, in terms of the food, I'd say, you know, 99 to 95% of the programs do a, a really good job at ensuring the credibility of the cost route and that the cost route is, is really above standard.
0: Okay. And do people complain about unhealthy food or not enough healthy food? Do, do programs get categorized in that sense
1: yes absolutely i've heard that there's like some programs they don't have like as many healthy options they don't they don't cater sometimes to the vegans or the gluten-free you know pe- folks who, who eat that i've heard programs that kind of serve the same food every every meal um uh, i've heard salmonella stories i've heard it all you know from everybody so yes to answer your question there's always you know programs that could have you know offered more healthy stuff but most programs try to have a variety for every single person, right? So, like, for example, a good example of this is before programs happen, these operators ask, they they, find, they try to find out out of the 200, 1,000 people they're having, who are these people? Are these 50% vegans? Are these 50% Syrians? I'll give you an example. You know, there's a program out there that are geared only for the Svartan versus Ashkenaz. So they're going to have an only kidney pro- kidney only program. Right? There was a program in Cancun that said, you know what, I'm going to have a kidney only program for Spartan, or by the way, Ashkenazim who don't care about, you know, or not care, but who just, who are okay with kidney out, with eating kidney oat on, on PESA. All good. Where there's other programs that say, you know what, I'm going to have a kidney program, but I'm also have a non kidney program. They kind of mix it. So some of my, you know, uh, restaurants out there will be kidney only, and others will not. And I'll have a Mashiach. Focused on the kidney and only, and I'll have them skip them on, on the other side. So it really, you know, it really depends on the program out there. But programs try to cater to everybody, and they try to do a good job as to find out who is coming on the program before it comes, right? So, you know, if they find out eighty percent of the people one year are, are vegan, they're not going to serve non a ton of non-vegan options. They'll change it up. So they adapt very much every year, depending on who's attending their program
0: tips for anyone who might be thinking of doing this for the first time or they had a bad time or they had a good time and they want another good time how do you use your the platforms you offer
1: yeah i mean look i always tell people right find out what you want to go you know location is is number one find out where you want to go and then what type of program you want to go to and what your budget is right from that there is tools out there like our tool passoverlistings.com you can find the program you can find pricing you can find reviews you can go on, our fa- you go on our Facebook groups. There's a ton of Facebook groups out there. We have one Passover program reviews use where thousands of people are talking about different experiences they've had. You always want to go to the people who actually attended the programs. You don't want to hear it from people who are affiliated with the program. I mean, it's good to hear it from people affiliated, but it's also good to hear it from people who've actually attended that are, are unbiased views about how really the food, the programming, the hotel, the entertainers really are. And there's, there's forums out there on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on online to find that. The other thing I always recommend, because, you know, here, you brought up you brought it up about this this whole Atlantic City program that canceled the week before. You, gotta ha- you they, In this day and age, you really got to buy travel insurance. You know, these programs are really expensive. And I think people are a little bit, I think it, you, you really, it'd be nuts not, not to get some level of insurance that covers them in the event that something happens. Most of these programs, by the way, don't allow you to pay via credit card. They do it via wire and things of that nature for various reasons.
0: What do you mean for various reasons? So, What's the reason?
1: So there's multiple reasons. I mean, number one, they need the money to uh, put down deposits on hotels and, and and food, right? So if someone's paying credit card, for example, if you're canceling, yeah, you know, they frankly they don't want people to cancel or you know, on the credit card, they don't want people to kind of uh, argue on the credit card to refund the money because then you know, impacts kind of what they're doing on their side. And they need to under and they need to know with hundred percent certainty who is hundred percent coming on the program and not coming on the program. So they don't have any issues down the road with the hotels, with the caterers, you know, and whatnot. So travel insurance is key. Cancel I always recommend cancel any time travel insurance so it covers you for anything that happens. Don't get the 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 small amount. If you're spending a hundred thousand dollars on base off. Hopefully, you, you can afford to spend something on travel insurance to cover yourself.
0: And during COVID, people who had travel insurance, they kicked in for them?
1: Cancel any time travel insurance kicked in. But a lot of people lost money or got a credit for the following year during COVID from the program when they got the money back from the hotel. So it was a very difficult year you know, because every program shut down literally like a month before Pesos. And so they had to, you know, figure out what they were doing, what they were going to do for the guests that have already put down literally all their money and was ready to ready to go. Luckily it wasn't a week before, so they can make other plans or, you know, get their house in order that year. But that was, yeah, that was probably the, the most difficult year in the PaceUp program industry for not just the program operators, by the way, because every program operator lost their pants or skirts. In the, literally, every you know, but a lot of customers felt felt the heat too. They didn't get back 100% of their money.
0: But most people did get most of their money back or credit?
1: From what I've heard, a lot of programs were able to, yeah, a lot of programs were able to provide credits for the following year, yep, and then give back a certain amount, you know, whether it be uh, 50, 70, 80% of, of the money that they put down, in some cases, 100% of the money. I think there were very far and few programs that just weren't able to pay back anything, and in some cases, it wasn't even their fault because, if, as I mentioned earlier on the, the podcast, they were they put down deposits already on the hotel and the caterer. So if they can't get the money back from the hotel, how are they going to pay back the money? Like, it's a kind of a chicken and the egg situation over here, and uh, it's very difficult to manage.
0: We couldn't complete this episode without talking about the publications like Ami and Meshpacha that are... Largely supported by Mm. the Pesach program industry because of all the ads, right? It's funny how on one hand it's so judged and this is the aspect of like the fromest of publications where they censor everything and anything. They're also the most materialistic in terms of what they're advertising.
1: You're saying some of the more religious publications out there are advertising maybe some more of like the materialistic travel programs. You're saying
0: a society that's so holy yeah is also so materialistic in that sense
1: publications just so you know i mean they're very difficult to i know a lot of the editors of these publications and you know i mean this in this day and age as you know everything going digital right things are people you know the millennials all these folks they're all online you know they're all searching online who reads the paper I mean, look, to Shabbos. Me, you,
0: know, you don't have access exactly, to
1: internet. Exactly. Right. Exactly. The people who read the paper are people who on Shabbos they're re- opening the paper on Shabbos right after their meal or before they get you know while they get their coffee and reading the paper and and you know and that's that's the group that's 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 going that that road and um, you know I don't know the financial economical situation with these publications but the advertisers that they have for Pesach are you know, thank God, big advertisers enough to kind of ho- hopefully hold them out throughout the whole year, right, to kind of continue going. It's a difficult, I'll be, like like you said, for this, I think it's a difficult situation, right? Because to your point, there are definitely, you know, religious, uh, ultra-religious publications out there that showcase maybe things that their audience may not necessarily want to see, but they need to do it for themselves. And I personally, I think everyone sometimes sacrifices things. As, as little as possible, hopefully, but it, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting point that you brought up, right in that sense that how true can you be towards your towards your audience with knowing that there may be you know other factors that come into play to keep you afloat.
0: And is there keeping up with the Joneses or the Cohens? are people going these programs who can't afford them, who are not able to pay tuition for their kids? Uh, is, so is this possible them. because you have to pay it in cash? Are people taking out home equity loans to go on pay stock? Oh, I, 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 hope
1: not. Uh, let's just say, this. I, I really hope they're not taking out home equity lines to go on pay programs. And look, we gave away a free pay up program this year to one lucky couple. But I'll tell you, I don't think people should take out home equity lines. It's just my, my opinion. You know, if you do, you do. But I'll tell you, people, there are programs out there and there are Chabad, by the way, Chabad programs, Chabad Pesach programs that offer highly discounted rates to people who need to, who need them. And there are, I know their programs personally that would give a special rate to people who, for example, like I remember a couple of years ago, it was really unfortunate. This woman lost her, I think it was lost her husband and she's had a really, really difficult year, tough year. And I think she came to us and said, "Hey, can you help us get a program? I really want to go with my children?" And it was it, of course it was, you know it was valid. It was it was you know validated and and you know the, well the program that she went on gave her a very special rate to allow her to experience a beautiful Pesach.
0: Is that very common for people to ask for breaks?
1: It's not common because when you think about it, like it's very difficult to ask for a break, right. Well, because I just of,
0: saw, well, first of all, people are doing it all the time if they need breaks for, every bill they have, I saw someone post it in your group, stop asking for breaks because you're going to be getting less at your program by doing that.
1: So I think that was a different scenario where it was like people asking for breaks to get a break, not because something happened, you know, on in their, in their life. You know, I'm talking about more of like something that, you know, unfortunately, like there was a tragedy and they're asking for a break, but look, do people ask for discounts? Let's get to the other piece. Like as, uh, you know, that's what general. I meant.
0: Discounts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. People ask for discounts all the time. And I'll be honest with you, these programs, they're very good. They know what they're doing. So what they do is they have early bird specials right up front, and that's a break. That's a discount. And then they have specials a little later, and they have specials a little later. And then the last month or two, they're not... not—you know, they're, they're trying not gonna... to sell out. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're trying to sell out. They would give a break if they need to, a discount if they needed to, to, to sell out. But at the majority of the time, these programs sell out. And also... At that point in time, they, they need to know how many people they're going to have for Pesach for the food and everything. So it's not like they can kind of say, hey, you know what? I'm going to have an extra 500 people and give everybody a discount. They can't do that because then they'll shoot themselves in the foot with everything else that they have to perform during Pesach. At the end of the day, you know, it's like so a lot of people say you get what you pay for. I do believe that's the case based on, frankly, not just me saying it, but like people saying it and people going away. I've hundreds of people have gone away to programs that cost Six thousand dollars and programs that cost twenty thousand dollars for per couple, they're very different. They're different in many ways. And some and by the way, for the record, I want to say something. Some of the people who like this who went on both like the six thousand dollar programs or the twenty thousand dollar programs. So it, it really at the end of the day, I always I speak to hundreds of pay travelers every single year going away, finding a program. It's really based on what their what their requirement and need is. If you go away and your number one requirement is I want to go away on a beach, then that's what's going to really make your pace off. That that's that you're going to have a, a. It doesn't matter what program you go on, you just have that beach. But if some people go away, I want the best quality food. I want everything. I want just gorgeous and gorgeous of food. Well, that's going to be this program or that program. It really depends what your requirement is, and that's what I always tell people. It's like what are what are you looking for? If people say they don't know makes it much more difficult to find the program that that really meets your needs because there's always a pro- there's a program out there for everybody I feel again why assuming-
0: is South America and Mexico so hot right now? is it because it's new. they did better marketing
1: no nothing to do with marketing. Mexico's hot because it's first off, like it's a hot destination. It's warm destination and the majority of the people. That go away for Pesach, off where it's worth like hot destinations. They like destinations that have beaches, it's which most climate warm. is warm. The climate is warm. Yeah, sorry. I thought
0: it's a hot spot.
1: No, the climate's warm. Climate's really nice. You're you also by the beach. So you know you can have you have that. And and then, you know, South Africa people like too, because it's different. You go on a safari. You can't like where can you where else you can't go on a safari in in, in Florida?
0: There are programs so, in South Africa?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: I think I said South America before, but cool, let's bring in South Africa.
1: Oh, I thought you said South Africa. Yeah, South America, there's a program in Brazil, you know, my my geography. Yeah, there's a program in Brazil this year, and people liked it. In my opinion, some of the exotic locations in future years or what the hotels have to offer do very well, right? So like when you have like a, a nicer hotel and you also have a nicer location, it kind of one-ups some other types of programs out there because God forbid the program is not like whatever that doesn't, the programming is not there or something else is not there, then at least you can fall back on, hey, let's go to the beach or let's go enjoy the amenities of the hotel or the beauty of of that, right? So there's, you know, there's gives and takes on everything, right?
0: One final question. I know this past Pesach, there has been a tragedy slash terrorist attack in Israel. To your knowledge, did any of the Pesach programs do anything to acknowledge, or was it still full-on vacation mode, no acknowledgement?
1: So I could tell you firsthand, and it was, yeah, it was a huge tragedy. We actually posted about it, too, during Pesach. I posted about it all across our our forums. It was going into the second days of Pesach. So I wanted people to keep keep the mother and the daughters in mind. It was very sad. And I do believe I've heard a lot of the Israeli programs took some time to really commemorate, commemorate them. There were programs out there that, you know, of speakers I've heard that kind of mentioned and talked about, you know, in my program as well, you know, talked about the tragedy that happened as well. I think great thing about it. It was a really nice kiddush Hashem in terms of just the amount of discussions that the guests were having, but also frankly, the program operators and the people who worked in the programs were also having with the guests to really commemorate the mother and the two daughters as well. So I don't know about every single program. I can't come, you know, but I know a lot of programs do that.
0: Thank you for doing this. I think this was educational and enjoyable. So thanks for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Happy to.
0: And do you have any connections for early bird discounts? Do you hook people up or you're just the platform that connects people to programs?
1: We're, we're just a platform that connects people with programs. We give a lot of advice, free advice to customers in the event that we're able to help people out with deals and early bird specials. We do, but I'd say the majority of the things that we do is we're a resource tool for people looking for reviews and programs in a, in a one-stop way. And not just for up, by the way, for Shavuos, for Sukkot, for summer, for winter, all throughout the year, right? So if you're looking for a program you can check out passoverlistings.com or the Facebook group Passover Program Reviews to, to find various programs for PaySuff and again throughout the year as well.
0: Awesome. And it's volunteer-based or you have sponsors?
1: We have sponsors. Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening until the end. If you think it was really rude of me to say that, I don't know if episodes sometimes are good or bad. The mere fact that I'm doing an episode with someone means that I already see something in it. I just never know how it's going to turn out. Anyway, appreciate your messages. Feel free to join the WhatsApp discussion group. Please share this podcast with your friends and family members. Check out the other podcasts on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. And I'll see you next week with an episode on From Fashion.